How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going today, Dave? It's going good. I have done nothing, and I have finished my White Claw pre-recording. What's mm-hmm. up? How are you? That sounds pretty good. That's some sort How of like are you? Donut, like the donut, right? <laughs> oh, no, no. Well, yeah, I'm doing no, I'm White doing Claw is uh, an alcoholic seltzer. Ah, okay. You think I'm just like... That's a bear claw. Slinging donuts? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it seems fairly... My webcam's been on, by the way. You've seen me just sip a beverage. (laughs) I missed it. It was one of those, it was one of those, uh, like, game event type things where it's like, hey, wait until the person's turned away and then hit the button. It's like Dave's sneaking sips over here, apparently, but... um... You think there's liquid in the can. It's actually small pieces of donut. (laughs) Right. It's a real pain in the ass to get through the hole, but... It's worth it. Finished off drinking that donut. Um, I'm doing I'm doing pretty pretty well though. Got a lot of sleep. Excited for today's episode because I uh, I enjoy this game. Um, That's the fastest we've gone to talking about the game. I'm I'm ready to jump back off and talk about something. Legitimately, uh, it is it is good. So I'm fine if we go either way. Yeah. Do you want to vamp a little bit? Or you want to <laughs> hop in? Yeah, I mean, real life sucks right now, so maybe it's better to just talk about games. <laughs> yeah, uh, rest in peace, twenty twenty. Hope everybody's doing good out there. I know things are complete shit all the time. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, this can offer a brief respite. I like I like respite. Like I say, it respite. I've been saying I respite think... forever, and then I heard somebody say respite. I'm like fuck respite sounds cool yeah it sounds cool that's the only reason i changed it it's kind of like a britishification of it a little bit yeah or it's even if it's not i don't even know how british people would say it but the term respite just sounds more fancy i'll give them respite and repost ah okay which i don't know how else you say repost repost yeah repost i don't know ripost day (laughs) that's a that's a a sauce, I think. <laughs> but yeah, today's episode's on Detroit Become Human, which is um, it's a game. Would you would you say that's accurate? We got to work on this. Um, yeah, it is a game. <laughs> <laughs> it's another game uh, by David Cage. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect anybody to know that name because I didn't know that name. Uh, but he also did Heavy Rain. Yeah, which is kind of elaborate story interweaving story uh, but a lot of just cut scenes and you making choices there's still interactable pieces as well um, but largely it is a story game and less so action based yeah I think that's that's 100% accurate um, their, their studio Quantic Dream also did um, if you go back a little bit further um, they did Indigo Prophecy which uh it's kind of funny if you if you've played several david cage games like they get better which is really good but man the tail end of indigo prophecy just went like off the deep end right corner into nowhere you could tell when they ran out of money i think one of the things (laughs) i like about detroit is just like at no point does it feel yeah they never ran out of money it just kept going no it's it was consistently good i played Um, a bit of heavy rain in college we had an evening where everybody 
picked a character and we kind of played through the pieces. Oh, that's cool. Now, to be fair, we only did this for like a couple of hours, but we started really late. Uh, so I kind of tapped that around like 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. So I didn't play any more of the game, but I, I got <laughs> enough to get the meme. I'm sure everybody's familiar with uh, press X to Jason. Yes, Jason. <laughs> Jason. Jason. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's where that's from. Yeah. So there wasn't yeah. anything as meme in this game, unfortunately. There are actually, I'll, I'll have to share some stuff well, with you later, but there are um, some good memes that came out of this game. Uh, 28 Stab Wounds is the one that immediately pops to mind, um, which, you know, without context makes no sense. And with context makes I some sense. I wonder how it's memed, but <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's like super cut and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 pretty great. The, the game had a pretty, pretty good community at launch. So this came out... Um, two years ago as of this recording which um, by the way um, i know we've talked about visual fidelity and uh, with like the 3080 dropping was it yesterday two days, uh, ago? Two, two days ago yeah yeah. not like a fucking half one as of recording <laughs> yeah this will um, be dated immediately <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah this game actually has really held up if you said it came out yesterday i'd be like yep it's a pretty good yep, game yep pretty it did <laughs> Um, because it is narrative for the most part it is a narrative game it's mm. all about the story um, for the story pieces like the background and the setting and the characters it looks really crisp and believable oh so yeah that immersion mm-hmm. aspect is mm, very choice i really like how um so this this game takes place in a a kind of combination futurist slash modern uh, Detroit. Go figure, right? Um, and one of the things I really like about it is it's believable. Like you still have subways and you still have roads and you still have houses, but then just certain aspects of the industry have been like massively modernized. So like um, buses are automatic. Cars are just like, uh, they look kind of futuristic, but they still have wheels. And then they have like this neon gloss over, not to the uh, extent of like cyberpunk, but think of, like augmented reality arrows when you cross the street, telling you like whether it's red or green. Yeah. Um, things like that. Just like the little sort of improvements you could see being plausible without doing the full jump into sci fi. Animal Crossing now makes sense as a game in this universe. Um, (laughs) They finally responded to everyone's feedback. (laughs) Finally a safe way for animals to cross. Yeah, but it's like Um, a a near future setting. Yes. Where, not not near the game, but near as an N-E-A-R, as (laughs) possibly soon approaching. And near future setting is actually far future setting because (laughs) that's the way near works. but yeah, it's basically the loose plot and setting is, hey, androids are a part of society. Yeah. And this takes place, obviously, in Detroit and kind mm-hmm. of follows the storylines of a couple of individual slash groups mm-hmm. um, and just how they deal with that. I will say as an aside, since we mentioned it was Detroit twice, the least believable part of this game is that all of this like hope 
and friendly interactions and everything like that is coming from Detroit. <laughs> so that's that's the part that's hardest to wrap my mind around. It's like of all the cities to pick for an industrial revolution, was it Detroit? <laughs> right. But well, I thought it was like Detroit was just the setting. I thought this was kind of everywhere. Yeah, it's it's happening everywhere, but um like the main corporation of the game that creates androids is called Cyberlife and their okay. headquarters is Detroit. So in this fiction um because their headquarters they were headquartered in Detroit it basically uplifted like the city um because it's it's like finding oil for the first time in a town somewhere it's going to it's going to completely renovate the the entire infrastructure right so that's exactly what happened in this game gotcha mm-hmm. um but yeah it really you you mentioned like it's following these different characters it it's uh I think even more so I realized going back. So this is my second playthrough. Um, it's so tremendously character driven. Like uh, just the characters are very expressive because I think they motion captured everything that happened in the game. <laughs> like all of the lines, all of the running, all the interactions. I would um, believe it. Save a couple of voice lines where it seems a little, a little hammy, <laughs> but we forgive those immediately. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's absolutely character driven. Um, I I really want to like contrast this to the like Telltale games, where they kind of tried to do some non primary character development, and it always sort of fell flat for me. It's like I kind of only care about what the main character is doing. Well, it's it's a distribution of time, right? Mm-hmm. So like in uh, going with a uh, Wolf Among Us, primarily yeah. you are bigsby wolf and there are some other characters you interact with more frequently but a lot of times not as much it's Mm -hmm. more as like throughout the chapters they'll kind of flesh out characters whereas in this game when you're given choices like the very next chapter you'll probably be the next character right so it's not like you're going a long time without seeing a character it's like oh these are the primary roles yeah Mm mm-hmm but I like it, it. Yeah, it does the um, the narrative thing books have been doing for forever, where you switch back and forth between character per, uh, perspectives between chapters. Um, that's largely how the game plays out. And, and Heavy Rain was the same. I didn't play Heavy Rain, but I know I know it was the same. Um, and Indigo Prophecy was the same. They like they like doing that to provide different perspectives, and sometimes conflicting perspectives. Um, so uh, I guess we can get started on probably like the first the first chapter, right? The very first part of the game is uh, drops you into the shoes of Connor. Connor, I believe, right? Connor is a android who works for or is contracted to CyberLife, uh, yeah. and he's sent to help the police with deviant androids. Mm-hmm. So g- standard androids have a function. Whether it's like, oh, I want to help take care of the house, or right. I'll be working construction, or whatever. So, a deviant android is any android who deviates from that path and has aberrant behavior. So, yes. in this case, an android uh, killed its owner and then has a little girl hostage, and there's like a SWAT team there. You yeah. kind of have to figure out what's going on and how to resolve the situation. <laughs> Yeah, and they drop you straight into it too. There's not like a tutorial or anything like that. It's like 
all you see is him flipping his coin like in the elevator on the way down with inhuman precision and it's freaking awesome that um, seems like something that you would like because i know you like hand fiddly type stuff yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like uh, like launching it back and forth between his hands and like spinning it and balancing it on his fingertip. It's, it's a choice. Anyways, uh, that's not what the game's about. Um, then you get down uh, the elevator and like I think the girl's mother is there and she's kind of like freaking out and she's like, why did you send an android as a hostage negotiator? Yeah, You're like my daughter's going to get killed. And this is the first bout of... Um, some oppression that you'll get used to <laughs> through the course of, through the course of the game. <laughs> Weirdly, um, humans uh, kind of do not evaluate androids on the same level as other humans. Yeah, surprise. So that yeah. comes up a lot throughout the game. Hmm. One of the uh, one of the first choices you actually have here. One of the first choices of the game is there's an aquarium that broke, and you can and if there's a fish on the ground. And you can choose to pick up the fish and put it like back in the water, uh, so it doesn't die. It's Don't the think broken it aquarium, it. so when it falls back out again, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a separate compartment you put it in. <laughs> the android's got basic uh, deduction skills, um, but I, 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 it actually helps kind of set some of the tone of the game, which is like you'll have choice over meaningful and non-meaningful consequences, but they do impact how that character responds to the situation. Um, yeah, I'd, I should have assumed that that was going to be the case for mm-hmm. playing Heavy Rain or Telltale type stuff. Um, it's a lot of things you're just like, oh, that'll kind of be a a throwaway, right? Yeah. How do you respond to this? Oh, fucking whatever. Mm-hmm. And then later it comes up, you're like, uh, so <laughs> it actually, it programs me programmed to be mm-hmm. more suspicious of choices going forward yeah mm-hmm. there was a point later in the game where it's like hey do you want to turn off like these uh temperature readings mm-hmm. and i was like mm, are you gonna bite me in the ass if i say yes <laughs> yes right so it's always like waiting for the other shoot to drop but i like that type of tension in a game like this because mm-hmm. you're invested in what happens you at a point when you become invested you're actively looking to not fuck up Yes. You don't know how to do that because mm-hmm. a lot of the options you are provided will either be kind of backed up by like, hey, we're really pushing for you to get this done in a certain time constraint. Yeah. Um, but maybe if you do something else, it will work, but you don't know. Right. Or maybe dialogue choices come down to Jake and I were joking about this before. It's like cat or dog, mm-hmm. or it might even just be like a one word thing. And you don't know if you pick dog. Does that mean you're going to talk about dogs? Does that mean you're going to kick a dog? <laughs> right, yeah. Do you become a dog for the yeah, next like, <laughs> voice of dialogue? Who knows? Like you're making <laughs> you uh, like a, dog. <laughs> a, a best effort to go through the story in the way that you had hoped. Yeah, I would I would mark that up as one of the few. It's clearly a design decision. Like, oh, so just real quickly, you mentioned on time. There's There's active time and passive time constraints, like through a large portion of the game where... When a dialogue choice comes up, you'll have like four or five seconds to select an option if it's under pressure, um, like something's going on actively in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes it's just like if you were talking to a real person and they were like, how are you doing today? 
And then if you stood there for like five seconds staring <laughs> at them, they would say something else, right? So it's the same kind of idea yeah. where they kind of ungamify it a little bit. Um, but unfortunately, that's not the way real life dialogue works, where you're like, you have a list of options that pop up in your head. You just instinctively respond with something, right? This is what I've been talking about with the intro for years. This is why I just say good most of the time. <laughs> right? It's just good. She's my queen. And it's like, I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want it. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, the, the passive time pressure um, kind of lends itself to avoiding one thing they, they seem to want to avoid from a game design standpoint is a full exploration uh, approach. And this hostage situation at the beginning of the game, um, I think really like drives that home and that the child is being like held on a ledge by an Android with a gun while you're investigating the apartment. Like there's only so much time you really have and you don't know how much time that is. Yeah. And the game gives you hints that things are escalating. Like if you take too long trying to like figure out what's going on, uh, one of the officers gets shot and like dragged away from the door. And he's like, okay, he's still stable. He doesn't die for this. You didn't kill this guy. But waiting stuff is progressing. Yeah, exactly. You don't um, unfortunately get like a full blues clues episode where they kind of highlight certain things. You're like, let's check the mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> they do have a feature to highlight things so uh not oh my to god yes they don't have the full episode but they do have um a time stop thing where you get this this blue overlay detective vision from the batman games um that you can just pan the camera around and see interactables near you which is really nice and also all of the interactables i'm not sure how you felt about this they're not press a certain button to interact it's yeah. always mm-hmm. move the analog stick in a certain way and sometimes like you do have to like roll the analog stick or other things. And sometimes mm. you do have for more explicit interactables, you do have to like hold multiple buttons. I don't know why yes. I'm reaching for my controller here. Like right to, oh, to show, I'll show hold Jake up, who like, doesn't the left know. trigger, right trigger. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear the clicks. I Yeah. I can confirm. I can see his controller, so I'll confirm for the audience. So um, how did you feel about that interactability? It's kind of it's a mixed bag. I think if it's done, so the the goal I feel like from game development is if you're using controls like this, it gets to the point where it's intuitive. Like R1 is always your right arm. L1 is always your left arm. If you're climbing up a hill, you're like alternating these things or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if the game ever 100% achieves that. There are some points where um, I'm actually going to make a comparison to the recent game, uh, Last of Us Part Two. Where you're like, in that game, you you can strum a guitar with the touchpad on PlayStation. Because I, I played this on PlayStation. Um, it's out on PC now. I have no idea how that impacts the motion controls. I assume they just removed them from the game. Um, but similar deal. One of the characters can be like washing dishes and you're just like, you know, like rubbing back and forth on the touchpad of the, of the PlayStation It becomes controller. very Nintendogs at a point. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um I think in the worst case instances, it felt like that control scheme um, held back. uh, It held back the pacing a little bit in the moment. It does build tension, but I think it does it in like the wrong way. Because if you know the character should like climb up, you're just ask. You're waiting for the game to tell you 
what the button presses are to climb up. Yeah. And that's just more noise between what you want to do and what you actually do. And I think that's kind of unnecessary. I mean, I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, there are like playing as Connor, who is the detective android. You might have like a chase sequence where you're chasing after a suspect. And you might have the like time to like slow down and like make a decision which route you go. But other times you will require certain input. Like if you need to vault over something. And if you fuck up the input, you're now further away from the suspect. So Mm -hmm. I guess that kind of falls down closer to like a a quick time event. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um than consistent interactable controls. They're definitely two different things. I feel like quick time events are just like an arbitrary button's going to pop up and you'll either have to press it, hold it or mash it. And then the movement type controls. Um, these have been around since like Indigo Prophecy and they're kind of notorious in that game. It's like, all right, getting milk out of the fridge in any other game, you like press X near the fridge. Right. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it's like, are you ready to full DDR your way through opening <laughs> this fridge? Um, it's usually yeah. like you drag the analog stick right. You might then push the analog stick forward as the camera angle changes to like reach in and grab the milk. Maybe yeah. you'll have an R1. That's a very extreme example. Yes. Um, it's usually not <laughs> over the top, but it's enough to make you feel like you are doing it. Uh-huh. Like if you're grabbing like a a door handle that you actually have to turn. Yes. Yeah. You then you, they do like the half circle motions a lot. Yeah. If you're if you're used to fighting games, I think the half circle motions are probably pretty doable. I remember Indigo Prophecy being a little bit worse because as you're describing this door opening on the fridge, I'm like, okay, I can visualize. Press R1 to move your hand forward. Hold R the trigger to grab the door. <laughs> pull back on the right stick to open the door. L1 to put the hand in to try to get the milk. But oh no, you released the trigger, so the door closed again. <laughs> you have to like redo this. It slammed yeah. shut if, as if possessed <laughs> by magic. <laughs> there is there is a little bit of like um re- animation reverse if you do start to screw up one of the inputs. You like, you know, the hand reaching out and then coming back and reaching out and yeah. coming back. Do there's I really need so the many. calories? I don't know. Uh <laughs> Yeah, there's there's some of that. I I feel like I only goofed a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, usually it was more so in the space of those quick time events where like yes. a button came mm-hmm. up and like I hit it and it's like we need you to mash it. And I was like, "Oh, okay." okay. So okay I hit it, nothing would happen. I'd be like, "Oh." Then I I'd hit it repeatedly. Yeah. But it doesn't really penalize you too much at least for the difficulty I was playing at. I'm mm-hmm. not sure how strict the other difficulty is where it kind of like if you make a certain decision or fuck up in some way, it can just be game over for a certain storyline. I'm actually struggling to remember a little bit about the difficulty choice. I think it's um, just like standard or the other one is like more realistic. Or like, let's right. say you missed a quick time event for like somebody pointing a gun in your face. Ah, okay. That character might die. I don't know. Gotcha. So yeah, it looks like there was a casual difficulty and then like a normal or something for people who wanted the story versus people who wanted to be like frustrated by the quick time events, I guess, <laughs> right? Um, I So I had picked it back, I guess, years ago and they didn't prompt me to change it. So that's why I didn't notice there was, I didn't remember there was another one. Um, that's kind of convenient. I like that because I was going to, I must have been playing on normal because there was definitely a lot of quick time prompts that I missed. 
Um, the game does like comparing this again to Telltale Games, which is going to be the whipping boy of this episode. Uh, <laughs> like sometimes the quick time events um, actually matter in Detroit, and like uh, one of one of the things I think is best in this game is that it doesn't quit out in failure states, like things that would cause you to have to like reload from a save point in a different game a lot of times don't end that way in detroit no most the whole of the thing is don't. like for ramifications of your actions and decisions yeah mm-hmm. so like um uh we were talking about the hostage situation um you can get a bunch of information like uh in advance before like talking to this um, hostage taker, this Android to try to like calm him down, call him out by his name, things like that, like legitimate, you know, psychological tactics to try to get this guy to calm down, reduce his stress levels um, so that, you know, he can be taken care of, (laughs) which in this case is depending on what happens. uh, There's a lot of possible outcomes. Uh, What happened in your game for the hostage situation? Uh, I went old school. I'm like, I'm not doing anything without clues because they literally just dropped me in the game. I'm like, I'm going to do my research. Uh Uh, So Connor has a mechanic where after you scan certain items, you might have enough information to kind of replay back a scene with like a very low poly model. Yeah. Reconstruct, right? Yeah. You can kind of play back loosely what happened or maybe get other information from it. Mm -hmm. And also having this information can kind of unlock dialogue options which i found out Mm -hmm. um it's like when i went to go talk to the android afterwards it's like oh hey uh your owner was going to replace you huh Mm -hmm. and that was shown as like an unlocked option at the top where if i didn't do the research i'd just be like why are you why are you like why are you here (laughs) right Um, i will say the game turns the screws a little bit with that feature too because um it shows you when those options are locked yes it's just like, hey, well, the, the, you missed something. It doesn't something. show you what the option is. It just yes, shows you yeah. that there is a locked option. Exactly. With yeah, no yeah. description. Um, but I did talk him down. The little girl was freed. Mm-hmm. And then he was shot multiple times by a sniper. <laughs> a pretty, pretty cool shooting sequence. Again, graphically, the game is pretty impressive. And the action is also pretty good to watch. Oh, yeah. Like, this could be a movie. And... If you don't want to play the game, watch so, it as a movie. There's plenty yeah, of ways to use it. If you don't want to play it, it's a watch somebody play it. Yes. It doesn't mm-hmm. work as a movie because like the decisions do matter. So mm-hmm. like I'm never going to play right. through this again. Mm-hmm. I played through it once. Um, and if I played through it again, I feel like I would try and go back and do the opposite of all my other decisions for as right. much as I could remember. Very but if I watch guy. somebody play it fresh, I get to see their take on it. And there's yeah. no right or wrong. It's just how you're approaching the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of choices to be made uh, at different points in this game. And I think there's a lot of concessions that are usually made in branching story games that make complete sense that Detroit doesn't do. So one example of that is for a given chapter, make only major decisions come back up later. Um, for the most part, that's kind of true, but there are some smaller decisions that can like bleed through, um, or at least are referenced later that makes the world feel a lot more real. Um, an example here is when you're approaching this guy that's holding the little girl, there's a cop off to the side and he's bleeding out. 
and you can choose to like frustrate this guy a bit and apply a tourniquet um, on this cop. And if you save his life, you can talk to him later. And he like thanks you for saving his life. And I think it improves public opinion, which is mechanically what I talked about. Um, but uh, there's you know tons of different tons of different outcomes here. Um, Connor can actually find a gun, shoot the hostage taker. Uh, I was say shoot the hostage. <laughs> shoot the hostage. Yeah, the little girl's down. Um, he can uh, fail miserably. They'll both fall off the ledge and die. Um, Connor, I think, can be shot. Uh, there's the outcome we both had this playthrough, which is the snipers after they talk him down. I think, like, I'm just spoiling the first one, but this is an example of how much, like, how many different outcomes can happen. And a lot of times you'll see three or four branching, like, end states for a given chapter with major yeah. decisions. And you only get one per. Yeah. So like after I completed that mission, it's like, oh, hey, here's the tree. And it kind of like quickly goes through each thing. But it yeah. shows you where each of those branches were. Or yeah. it might be like a certain block of like, hey, other things you probably could have done in the area at this time. But they're always shown as just hidden locked. But you know yes. that options were there, which is cool. It's actually like tremendously. Uh, it's kind of boastful. I think that they implemented that decision tree as they did because like every game has a decision tree like that. But as far as I know, Detroit's the only game I've seen where they just show you the tree. They're just like, Hey, now that the, like we're going to actually remove you from the narrative for a second to show you the path that you took and that there were these other divergent paths and you can see large frames for ends. If there's a large frame, that means that the chapter would have ended when you reach that frame. Um, and they're just like, here you go. Look at our storyboard, basically, right? We've we've, we've censored it, but here's the storyboard. Um, I feel like that drives replayability. Oh yeah, like it makes oh you gosh, curious yeah. enough to be like, fuck, what what could I have done that there were like four separate endings? Yeah, like even just having this conversation now, I did not see the fish or the cop. They mm-hmm. died. I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah. They died in my playthrough. Yeah. <laughs> the fish doesn't come back to haunt you, I don't think. <laughs> so, <laughs> Connor, it's good to see you again. Blop, blop. <laughs> um, and then the, the choices you make can impact um, the character development. I think Connor is one of like the best examples of that, where um, if you choose to... There's basically two main states. It's Connor is either excuse me, becoming deviant or becoming more machine-like. And if you just do your job to the letter with ruthless efficiency, then you're being, you're being more machine-like as one would expect. Um, but it can impact some like late game, some choices later in the game as well. Yeah. And that's awesome. And for every decision you make, there's always somebody who's going to be pissed off every yeah. fucking time. Like we'll talk more about Marcus here in a sec, but the character Marcus <laughs> Yes. Um, there's some other androids he meets up with and it's like a little gaggle of them mm-hmm. um, there's this one guy Josh who's like we should you know be nice and not fight we're the good guys violence <laughs> only provokes more violence and then there's the other character North who's like we should totally kill the humans though like, anytime <laughs> you, like, you avoid an option it's like I'm not gonna kill everybody she's like like you see, there's like a little indicator of like north like uh, opinion has gone down of you i'm like oh okay. uh-huh. 
she's kind of this, this game has like holographic ui because you're playing as androids pretty much the entire game uh like here's a mission objective or something like that and i'm just imagining like a holographic sign above north and it's like time since last human killed <laughs> <laughs> counting up sad face getting sadder um yeah they uh they definitely represent some like disparate um disparate approaches there's three main groups of people or parties in in the game um there's marcus or playable characters there you go that's the easiest way to classify it um connor Kara, and uh marcus yeah where connor as we mentioned is the the investigator who's trying to figure out why androids are being deviant and what's going on Mm -hmm. Uh, there's marcus who starts off as a simple caretaker yeah mm-hmm. for like it's an kind old of a man. hospice yeah sort of servant thing and she's very very chill very chill i won't i won't spoil what happens there um yeah <laughs> but i feel like his arc is much more because each of these characters at some point the whole point is for them to kind of like break free from their standard machine routine to kind of mm-hmm. become a human which is right. why it's Detroit become human. Uh, so Marcus's thing is like how he wants to be an android and live amongst humans. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Kara's thing, um, she's initially purchased as another house caretaker for this guy and this little girl. Like a maid model, uh, yeah, basically. Exactly. Um, how much can I spoil of this? Yeah, I mean, I feel like talking a little bit about the overall arcs are fine. Okay. I think we're going. I'll, I'll I'll change it if necessary, but right now we're we're still at like minor okay. spoilers level. So I feel like first mission. I feel is first mission for each one's probably okay. pretty doable. So basically, um, actually, the very first mission for her, you are mm-hmm. literally in a store. You are yeah. in a fixed position. You're just kind of looking around. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you kind of figure out that you're an android and somebody's looking to buy you or something. But yeah. basically, mm-hmm. this kind of disheveled, looking like a piece of shit type of guy comes in. <laughs> yeah. And he says, like, oh, hey, like, we repaired uh, this model for you. What was the issue with her again? It's like, oh, she got hit by a car or something. Yeah. And it's in that the way. It's like, it's like mm, it. that's a fucking lie. Yeah. Um, the disheveled guy's picking up the android for clarification, yes. not the employee. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, and, and the employee, I think, is also an android because uh, you can see multiple versions of him throughout the store. Oh, yeah, yeah. All, all talking. Pretty much. So they're androids like does selling androids. <laughs> standard work is usually going to be an android in this game. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the cutscene of him driving you back from the store, which is like in the city, very modernized mm-hmm. to kind of like the outskirts and suburbs and there's less neon and cool things it's kind of like yes a beat to shit neighborhood yeah um, the house looks very very similar with few exceptions to just a house like out in dystopia <laughs> you know like, yeah um but yeah i i really like uh the first person i think that's the only time in the game you have like a first person perspective as an android uh, unless you're specifically looking around for something. There's um, one or two other times where it's you're kind of like, hey, you're stuck here. You have to look around for something you can interact with to progress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That comes up occasionally. 
but uh the guy the i remember the salesperson was just like oh did you name her and he's like my daughter did walks up and he's just and uh the salesperson's like uh, record your name whatever and the guy's just like kara and then you get the character swap and you see the actual android and she's like it's just her face and she's smiling she's like my name is kara scene and it's just it's it's good filmmaking oh is yeah what it is the way they do everything I'm not gonna suck its dick too much but it's really good yeah. from a storytelling perspective yeah which of the arcs did you enjoy the most man that's really tough to just drop, drop on me it, it's tough because um like marcus's arc is more about the development of androids like kind of as a whole right like yeah where where are androids gonna end up in a game that's called <laughs> detroit become human like connor's arc is the difference between like um choices like we're told to make versus choices we want to make um and cars is just like being a mom (laughs) basically basically the arc it's much more like interpret like close familial relationships um and like love and things like that it seems stupid to say that but that's literally what it is um emotions i would say yeah because her whole thing is so the piece of shit guy uh, is abusive surprise surprise Mm -hmm. that's why you need to be repaired in the first place uh, yeah. but there's strong hands that he's also abusing his daughter and you see yeah. him being very vocal and a little bit physical at points mm-hmm. so he's on red ice yeah which is a drug which is a drug in detroit which sounds cooler <laughs> than other drugs in it's, real it's, life <laughs> it looks like crystal meth but red <laughs> that's, all, that's all it looks like <laughs> yeah not not <laughs> um yeah I think in Breaking Bad, Bad, it was blue, so that was taken. So they had to make it red here. So they're like, <laughs> but yeah, her whole thing is protecting the little girl. So yes. in the first mission, regardless of what happens, uh, you both kind of run off together to escape that situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then it is you trying to protect her. So mm-hmm. everything is done from the view of. I'm an android, but I've kind of broken free of standard android things to kind of protect this human, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, it's, uh, sorry, go ahead. I say like that's there's like a little sequence for when you kind of because you're initially told to stay downstairs, and you yes. see him like going up with a belt after like literally smoking meth, uh, and he's like, "I'm gonna teach you some respect or whatever abusers say." Mm-hmm. So you have, you kind of break through this imaginary wall. Yeah. It has the, um, it'll show whatever the order is that you're trying to defy. Yeah. But it's, it's a, um, a physical kind of like, or virtual barrier. violent barrier. Yeah. Breaking that, um, represents, uh, becoming deviant and uh, having free will exactly right so in this case um todd is the the dad's name That's has said stand stand like stand right there and don't move and then is you know gonna go commit domestic violence um and it's just like it you actually can stand there i don't know 
if things progress until you do move, I think you have to move, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, but if you start to move, if you start putting like controller input, that's when you see the virtual wall come up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you're actually going to physically move, you got to break through this programming barrier first. And um, I think that it's an option that can come up depending on your choices for a couple different characters. Um, and yeah, it's always really cool. It's always really cool because it feels like you're, you're taking it to the man yeah. a little bit. You're literally breaking down the wall. <laughs> but what I like is each uh, character arc is done from like a different perspective. Like you said, Kara is much more being familial and interpersonal relationships. Yes. Marcus is much more with the future of androids. Mm-hmm. And Connors is very much from the perspective of a machine, like what is humanity and being mm-hmm. humane. And Connors he, an in- investigator too. Like yeah. that's one of his main arcs is figuring out the truth of what's going on. Yeah. But he's also paired with this piece of shit partner named Hank. <laughs> Who's who I love. <laughs> Hank is great. <laughs> I like his voice actor. His character can be comedic, but usually he's a grumpy piece of shit. Um, mm-hmm. So that Im- impact enforced a lot of my decisions around him. But he's very yeah. much, he hates androids. Yes. So it's like, kind of like a buddy cop type situation where it's like, it's exactly we have that. to work <laughs> together, but man, I don't like you. Like They literally I, have the partner scene. Yeah, where it's just like this android here is gonna be a partner, <laughs> and he's just like I work with no partner, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Slimes hands on desk. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you screwed me here, chief. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, don't make me write you up once again, and it's literally that, literally that, you know, without yeah. the voices. <laughs> but I, I love that. I'm not I'm a fan. No, it was. It's definitely good, um, because like you see the characters, all of the characters develop over the course of the game mm-hmm. where there's a, a maturation regardless of yeah. their circumstance, but it's done from really cool, different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of things throughout the game are meant to evoke reactions from you pointing to the camera. You as the player. Yes. 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 For. Okay. They're machines, but like, here's a whole fucking pile of them in a ditch. How do you feel about that? Yeah. And if they're doing these correlates to like, but if they were physically human, though, you'd feel differently type right. thing. Um, and so they're very expressive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like we, I don't know if we've ever talked about Uncanny Valley or defined it, but it's the idea that you things are it. too close to reality and it makes you uncomfortable. Like technology has gotten far enough in game making and graphically Detroit has gotten far enough that it's obviously come back around to being human-like and androids can be very human-like in detroit yeah because as far as you as the player is concerned they're designed the same they're like people but they have like a light on their head or they have like a service uniform or something Mm -hmm. so it's it's done intentionally they have a blue ring or a yellow ring or a red ring, depending on their emotional state, which I also love. That's cool. The the fucking mood ring on the temple. Yeah. Yeah. Mood ring. Um, And I like the skin concept too. They like have Android bodies, but they can uh, um, basically generate human looking skin from this like almost nanite substance. It's magic basically, but it looks really cool. Yes. (laughs) 
yeah i don't know i like that this is coming from the design of androids perspective i like the way the game portrays them um because it's like make them as human-like as possible to like integrate them in the world and that's a theme the game definitely plays around with a lot yeah they do Again, small job of everything as far as the storytelling is concerned. <laughs> we, there's so many like touch points that we're specifically not touching. <laughs> to yeah. That could yeah. Provide some context. All right. I'm going to ask some high level things. Sure. Um, were you more aggressive or non aggressive, more of a pacifist option as far mm. as the majority of Marcus's storyline? In my first playthrough, I was uh, completely passive pacifist at mm-hmm. least um there's definitely a difference because uh you can if you if you do a completely pacifist run of this game you better be really good at quick time <laughs> events that's my 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 pro tip <laughs> um or else tragedy will befall you on <laughs> uh, many occasions and it never stops <laughs> but um uh my my current playthrough uh i was going more um uh, pure android independence above all else focus okay. and didn't really care about human life on the way there. Um, and man, that also makes certain parts of the game a little bit hard. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. I feel like they like putting these choices in front of you where like mm-hmm. you're so focused on like major choices of, hey, I'm not trying to like murder a whole bunch of people. But then it's like, hey, do you want to save this person? They might die. They might not. What are you going to do? Like early on, it's like uh, in a chase sequence, Hank trips and he's like hanging off of a ledge. It's like, do you want to save Hank or do you want to keep chasing the suspect? He has like a very high percentage chance to like recover and be fine. And I was like, oh, I'll fucking take the odds. I'm going to keep chasing this asshole. And then afterwards, Hank was really pissed at me for almost letting him die. Yeah. Whereas when I would try to save other people, a lot of times I was able to without ramifications. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm That's sure there a clear are binary choice. Yeah. But like, there are also times where it's, I feel like they're almost threatening. Like, Hey, if you do go back and try and save this person under these dire circumstances, you will lose something in return. Yes. It never felt like, do you want them to live or die? And I'd be like, I want them to mm-hmm. live. Like, okay, they lived. Are we done yeah. here? They're like, yeah, yeah, you're good. It's like, do you do you do this needlessly harmful action for no benefit? Yeah, or uh, you know this other thing. It it gives you a lot of like devil's bargains, um, and I think that's that's a really good touch point because if you do save him, you miss out on any possibility to catch that guy. Like you miss out on that potential information. So if you really wanted to get the whole picture and you're not willing to go to YouTube, yeah. <laughs> like then you would need to get like do chapter select or something, come back and try it again. Um, the game, the game does give you points for filling out all the boxes across your multiple playthroughs. Uh, that's a lot of effort. <laughs> that would require a lot. Also their imaginary points, which is just really like, I don't even know what it's called on PlayStation. It's the like gamer score stuff. Oh, cool. So it's like yeah. Xbox 360 back today. It it means fuck all. Yeah, achievement trophy points. It's EP. Yeah. yeah, it's EP. But even then, it's not even for achievements. I guess in this case. But yeah, I love those. I love those choices. I love when it's like, hey, 
here's your time limit. And I think that gives you like 10 seconds or something to make a decision because they realize otherwise people would have heart, heart attacks. Um, and uh, if you save Hank, um, it can be the start of like a really cool beneficial friendship um, that uh, what I experienced on my first playthrough. And I didn't have the heart to avoid in my second because I enjoyed it so much from the first playthrough. I was like, I realize I can deviate. I can be completely mission focused, but I'm too attached to this character at this point to be a jerk. Um, I like that we have that difference because I thought Hank was an asshole. Yeah. And I thought if I let the suspect go, he would even be more mad at me and have to deal with more of his shit. So I was willing to risk letting him die. But again, it's like it's just that cool disparity of Jake and I are two different people. So we're going to have different approaches. We might overlap on some things. We might deviate in others. Ha <laughs> ha, deviate. Ha <laughs> ha. But, oh, okay. yeah. But like, <laughs> no, I was just... At this point, because you've had <laughs> two playthroughs, I've only had one, yeah. I would love to watch a third unnamed party who has not played through yet play yes. through their first time and see what choices they make. If, if I could recommend a stream to you um, for a playthrough of this game, uh, the actor that... Um, did the motion capture, the voice acting, and everything for Connor. Um, his name's Bryant. Um, he played through it with uh, his uh, fiance at the time. Eventually, they got married, who also is the actor, voice actor, I think, and motion capture for Blue Tracy, which is um, from a character in the game that I'm not going to go into. Really? Uh, but uh, yeah, they just they stream the game together and then make decisions based off chat. And he doesn't know what the story is. He has some ideas based off the motion, ca- motion oh, capture so, work he did. Okay. So it's actually fresh to him. And uh, man, some of the anguish they go through and these choices where it's just like, that's me, that's Connor. And we're about to like throw him into like danger <laughs> versus all these other people. That it's actually great. sounds really good to watch. Yeah. Um, I think it's like a five part uh, series. It's like pretty long, but it's. I, I saw a little bit of it and it was great. Um, if you like watching people play games, watching someone play Detroit is pretty, pretty good, especially if you can like poke them and make them hit buttons. <laughs> um, Are you ticklish? Not now. <laughs> yeah. I, man. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to go into um, too much uh, regarding spoilers. I think we've got given people a pretty good idea of um, some of these characters and relationships. I just want to say like from a high level uh, perspective um i think that the the title like detroit become human this is one of the one of the gripes i actually have with the game and i realize it's purely my personal opinion is that the um this whole podcast is our personal opinion jake so go nuts that's true that's true but it's it's both of our personal opinions um become human is not a great subtitle for the game in my opinion and my reasoning for this, my justification, my thesis is um, if you go through the game, uh, humans, for the most part, are not that good. Sometimes they're OK, <laughs> like, but really, you're playing from the perspective of the oppressed. So it's it's really easy to go through the game, have uh, we didn't really mention it, but lots of people can die in this game. Um side characters, main characters, the game keeps going. Uh, there is a lot of work done making sure that it can keep going. And you can only take so many losses before you're like, I don't really empathize with the humans that much anymore, right? 
Um, so you're saying it's too one-sided? I think it's, I think become human is a little like pessimistic of a subtitle. Oh, because humans are depicted as being shitty. Exactly. Right. Like, um, and depending on your choices, you can definitely become human by the end of it, even with that definition. But, um, like for me trying to be like an optimist and stuff like that, the, most of the androids you come across are naive in some ways they're they're innocent um even if they're adults and they're fully cognizant and they're intelligent they tend to be um like willing to hear you out quiet soft-spoken for the most part like analytical and non-cynical well yeah Um, i i think that makes sense though like who's hmm. gonna design a robot where it's gonna have the capacity for rage anger right um Hmm. And always machines have been very logical. It's about to say creatures. Mm-hmm. But like they're designed in a log- logical way because the they need to you. be efficient to support a functionality, right? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So it makes sense that even if they were awakened to have a consciousness and a free will, that they're not going to default to, yeah, fuck them. Right. Walking <laughs> here. They're very much like, okay, this is a situation that we're in. How do we make the best of it to survive or get by? Yeah. But yeah, it definitely is much more one-sided where humans are shitty and androids are not for the most mm-hmm. part. Um, there are some exceptions. Again, yeah. I don't think. But <laughs> definitely some. But I feel like it's, it's done like- in a way to kind of it's like the what is it the black the black mirror mm-hmm. or a dim reflection a scanner darkly it's like taking yeah. a look back at us as humanity and how we approach people people mm-hmm. of different races people of different backgrounds people of different uh, economic standing yeah mm-hmm. and how we just progress forward as humanity because humans are largely pieces of shit <laughs> Again, tying back to 2020. Um, <laughs> right. I think the point I took exception exception with was the idea that it's like going to a convergence point. Because to me, by the end of the game, I was just like, man, androids are really cool. And a lot of the humans in this game don't deserve what they have by comparison. Well, yeah. So it's kind of their... I don't think it's a I don't think it's a huge leap. I don't think I was the only person to get to the end of this game and be like, I think androids might actually just be the superior life form. <laughs> so having the subtitle become human at the bottom of it felt felt kind of like contradictory to that uh conclusion. Um but a lot of it can depend on your choices too. <laughs> I'd agree. I also think that it's good marketing because they transhumanism is so hot right now, as the kids say. Um obviously with things like altered carbon out um and a bunch of other things in that space deus ex all those games that came out um cyberpunk is going to be coming out i was out, gonna right? say how did you not mention that yet um and uh i think detroit takes a kind of unique twist on it by focusing so much on the the individuals um it makes it a much more uh, engaging story for me I was reluctant to go back and play initially because I was just like, oh, I kind of got some other games I want to play, things like that. And I got into it. And I was like, man, 
this is just like going back and rereading a book that uh you really loved reading yeah exactly but in this case some of the chapters have changed because in this one you choose not to kill that guy (laughs) (laughs) okay so it's like a a choose your own adventure book Mm -hmm. that's exactly that but with good characters you could still get a what was it pizza hut book sign off for that i read a book it was a choose your own adventure it was 30 pages don't worry about it give me the pizza the 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 page or book reading competitions and things like that man books are great read books play detroit uh i'm not a big book proponent but i'm not i'm not gonna (laughs) judge either way um i will but yeah i just like transhumanism in general because i've always enjoyed having those discussions of philosophy ethics Mm -hmm. just like there's no official line that we can say here's where it is here's where it isn't yeah so it's always cool to hear people's uh takes on it Mm -hmm. yeah and there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of mystery in the game a lot of underlying motivations there's other things there's certain things i haven't had answered yet which i'm gonna yeah ask you immediately after we're done recording (laughs) right because i don't know if it actually comes up in the game where you can discover Mm -hmm. that yeah they 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 do a good job of answering i think most of the questions by the end but not necessarily all of them some of them characters might not have an opportunity to figure out but um now it's it's uh it's ridiculously good play it like for God's sake, please try to keep your characters alive at least for the main playthrough. Yeah, <laughs> do your best. It's not always easy. Let me tell you. Um, and uh, yeah, I just say do what you think is best in the moment. If you fuck up, well, you <laughs> fucked up. The, the the only reason I'm advising people keep the characters alive is because you can have people die and then half the story they just are not around for it yeah. and all of their choices they're not around for it. <laughs> I think there's without going into specific spoilers, there's like a position at the end and a certain hierarchy of a group that can be filled by like three or four different individuals, depending on who's left alive. <laughs> it's uh, it's very adaptive uh, to a, a somewhat extreme state. I, I would love if it was like a shidu game and like it just skipped those. Chapter <laughs> yeah. done. Here are the decisions you made. Okay, cool. Chapter yeah. 11. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh do you uh did you hear about the um i'm gonna make one last anecdote i think hmm. the um the mass effect 2 suicide mission um are you familiar with that at all we might have talked about it off podcast at some point but yeah. please remind me and the, the listeners the the thing was for mass effect 2 if you did people's loyalty missions you could get them to survive in the final mission otherwise they were probably gonna die um detroit has a special hidden ending that's honestly kind of hard to achieve if basically everyone dies <laughs> over the course of the game. If there's no one left whatsoever, the game has a hidden hidden ending. And that's just an example of like how um, absolutely adaptive it is and how to get the most out of the story. You got to be paying attention to some of the stuff. It's great. I love it. Uh, I still have on PlayStation Detroit as my background like home screen. And my character avatar is Connor. Nice. It's a great guy. Hi, I'm Connor. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's superbly solid. 
I unfortunately only played this this past week, though it has been out for two years, and people mm. did recommend it to me. But I am nothing if not a stubborn idiot. <laughs> well, that's that's we have that in common. That's why we can record the podcast. Um, so yeah, if you get a chance, um, check it out or watch a playthrough of it. It is mm, magnifico. Mm-hmm. to borrow some Spanish there. It's true. Um, but if you have other ideas for transhumanist games or things that I can play before my life is subsumed entirely into cyberpunk, feel free to send those in to our Gmail at soapstonepodcast at gmail.com or you could join the discussion on Facebook if you want at facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast. And as always, we'll see you in the next one. Bye.